So revelation of the week. Yes. Do you want to share with the <laughs> share with the class what you revealed to me was in one of your top ten favorite songs? I think you'll find it was top twenty. You, you said probably top ten. I then revised it to <laughs> probably top ten. I stand by this. I know you think it's really funny, but I absolutely stand by this. World in Motion by New Order <laughs> is one of the greatest songs ever written. Officially credited to England New Order, all one word. Oh, you're so pedantic. Why do you, why do you have to do that? It's like the one-upmanship. I've got to live the gimmick. The family quiz is on tonight, mate. <laughs> oh. you, can, you can run with that tonight. Don't take it out on me. God, you get one one under your belt. and uh... <laughs> Yeah, just a uh, side note. I won the family quiz last week. I haven't been able to celebrate because I feel it's really dodgy. Do you know, like last week when we were saying, I can't win it. Yeah. Because if I win it, it's going to look weird because you, you wrote the questions. And then you bloody win it. And then I win it. Yeah. And I didn't even try. On the cricket questions, I should have absolutely failed. But apparently I know all about 1960s cricket. Oh, you're an extremely good guesser. Yeah, I think that might be the case. Oh, mm. I've just lived with you too long. So anyway, back to the original point. <laughs> What you think one of the top 20 songs of all time yes. contains a John Barnes rap? It's brilliant. It's brilliant. I love that. I, I mean, it's the, it's the greatest song for lifting you up. It is the most uplifting track. I listened to it a lot last year. I've listened to it a lot in the past. When things have been difficult, I have put on World in Motion. I think it is the greatest non-football footballing song. Because everything he says, and I know it's like, you can be slow or fast, or you must get to the line. Like, I can, I can do the whole John Barnes rap. I'm yeah. not going to do it. Please don't ask you me. You know, it is it. a football song. Just because yeah. John Barnes says it isn't a football song, doesn't mean it's not a football no, song. I mean, he just, no, I'm not saying that he says it isn't. I'm saying that you can read it, you can listen to it. I mean, I know he says, like, three lions on my chest at one point, which is a bit of a pointing to the fact that it's, like, England or England, mm. as you pointed out to me, was the first time... They used Ingerland? Yes, and it's the first time I've heard of three lions being used mm. like to represent England, although I was 10 at the time, so mm. maybe... Yeah, anyway. Yeah. So, yes, I'm not saying that they don't say it's a football song. I'm saying that you can read it in a number of ways, and I think it's a really good song for when you're facing adversity. I listen to it a lot when I'm running. So when I want to, like, just keep going, John Barnes, like, does that for me. Please don't look at me like that. <laughs> Please don't look at... I mean, then you did make me watch the Anfield rap to show me John Barnes's prowess as a, as a rapper. <laughs> I just wanted you to, to be familiar with all his work. Well, I am, I am Mark, because you love to show me the Anfield rap. I, I can't tell you. I mean, it's a bit like... He comes from Jamaica. His name is John Banners. When he plays the crowd so, go bananas. It's just... There's something not quite right about it. There's, there's a lot of... There's just, it makes me feel slightly uncomfortable because they're taking the mick out of where people have come from. The two Liverpoolians. It's Ian Rush, isn't it? And No, no, no. They're saying that they're the only two Scousers on the team. Yeah. So they're saying that everyone else, no one, no one speaks in a Scouse accent, so mm. they should all learn the Scouse accent. Mm. So that's why you have, like, there's the, the four Scottish people and they're saying, yeah, look, we outnumber you, so why is your way right? It just... It Feels very I feel we're going of, too far into the yeah. Anfield, the mythology of the Anfield rap. You know why? Because after I talked about World in Motion, you then started showing me all the other World Cup songs on YouTube last night. And we went into a bit of a spiral. I mean, we, we were very late to bed last night because you wanted to show me no, all No, no, you've videos. got this backwards. I haven't. You have. No, because we started talking about Todd Grip, which took us on to You're on the Ball. We're on the ball. I think, can we just back up a bit? We didn't start talking about Todd Grip. You went to me in a quiz question type styley. Do you know who Todd Grip is? <laughs> like just completely out of nowhere. I was like, I, do, I have heard of him. Actually, that's not true. We, what? I think the first quiz question I sent to you was, who? how does it feel to be on top of the world? Name the four artists that involved. That is it. That is right. You are right. Yeah, that's a brilliant quiz question. And then you played me... Is it on top of the world? Is how that... does it feel okay. to be on top of the world? Is it in brackets or anything like that? You I know, don't like know. some things are like, how does it feel? Brackets to be on top of the world. I feel like it should be. I feel yeah. like the, the brackets should be around the how does it feel? Yeah, we got <laughs> We have to stop this. We have to stop this. So for anyone this... playing along at home, the answer is the Spice Girls, <laughs> Tommy Scott from Space. Well, I think they say it. they said space as the band, but you can only see. Yeah, but that's him, Joe Wiley it? on. Um, that's oh, just yeah, Joe Wiley on top of the Joe, pops. Just for everyone at home, it's officially Joe Wiley was on top of the pops mm. announcing it. When it's we officially it. Spice Girls with England United. Yes, England United being Ian McCulloch, who clearly is the leader of this song, yeah. 
and then they've said, yeah, we're going to need the Space Girls on there just to sell the record. Because we've got all the in, all the indies, Echo and the Bunnymen, Ocean mm. Coast theme. Sam and Fowler from... Is oh, it Sam Fowler? I don't, I don't know. Sam and Fowler from Ocean Colour Scene. And Tommy from Space. Yeah. Space. And then they've gone, just, it's 98. Yeah. We need some Spice Girls. They'll sell it. Maybe, and I said this to you last night, mm. maybe they were trying to um, broaden the appeal. To, maybe to women, for example. You get a load of mm. girls involved in Mel C in her um, football show. Because remember at the time, football for women was not something that was particularly, it wasn't put on the telly. Um, it was a difficult time for women's football. Yeah, well, it didn't exist really, did it? Mm. Not in a not, not in, in a way that, that it was being now. celebrated. Yeah. yeah, so there's a really weird segue there into a bit of uh, a bit of feminism, a bit of feminism, and a bit of football. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I have no problem with world in motion. I like a little bit of um, how does it feel to be on top of the world. So, do you think that's New Order's greatest moment? Mm, n- no, I think it's one of them. I mean. <laughs> It's only you one know, of them. I love, I love New Order. I love New Order. A lot of the time, the New Order songs do sound a little bit samey, but it's that dum 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 of the of the guitar. Sorry, I'm just I'm singing a bit. It's of Peter Hook bass yeah, line. Yeah, it's it. That's exactly what it is. That sort of really twangy. I'm like rubbing my fingers together, but like really twangy bass line that I so love. So how many New Order songs would be above them in your top twenty songs? Mm, I mean, now you're asking me because I don't really know the names of the songs. <laughs> I know because they're all like one words, aren't they? They're all like temptation, celebration. Like, no, no, so, you're thinking of cool and the gang. Yeah, I know they're very similar. Yeah, so yeah, they're true all one So yeah, I'm not a big fan of True Faith. Not a big fan of True Faith at all. I like the ones that are a little bit off the wall. Ones, for example, that I can't remember the names of. Um, Respect. No. I, I wish you'd asked me this beforehand because I would have looked them up because I never get them right. I never get them right. There's one in particular that's on the Marie Antoinette, which is one of my favourite films of all time, um, on the soundtrack to Marie Antoinette, and that's, I think that is my favourite. It was on the trailer to Marie Antoinette as well. Okay. Are you looking it up? I'm just looking it up, yeah. I kind of, I want to say something like celebration or something like that. thinking of temptation. Well, that's what I said. Yeah, there is a song called Temptation that was on the... um, was on the Trainspotting soundtrack. Okay. What was on the Marie Antoinette soundtrack? All right, I'm getting there. Oh, being a bit slow, love. Ceremony. That's it. Ceremony. Not celebration. Celebration. Or commiseration. <laughs> Ceremony. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's, let's stop talking about New Order. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a New Order podcast. But yeah, World in Motion. And um, how does it feel to be on top of the world? Fine. You know. We're on the ball. We're on the ball. I quite enjoy, but you know, people are from from the northeast. A bit of Ant and Deck, you can't go wrong with that, can you? And obviously, they dressed up as Todd Grip, so you know, you were happy. Yeah. Fat Les. So we didn't watch Fat Les Vindaloo. We watched mm. Fat Les because I was trying to wrap my brains to find out what the official song of Euro two thousand was, and it was uh, Jerusalem by Jerusalem Fat Les. Jerusalem by Fat Les, which had. In the video, the weirdest combination of people just in the background. Barry Moore. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Best. No, no. <laughs> Let's not talk about that anymore. Danny Dyer. Yeah, a young Danny Dyer. The woman who was in something we've watched recently. The woman that was in Game of Thrones. Yes. Who was, oh, I want to call them the Vipers. They're not the Vipers. They're the Sand Snakes or something like that. She was the, the leader of them. I'm just going to look it up. I want... <laughs> Dawn. That's it. She was in, in Dawn. Yeah, she was what? Anyway, no, her name she... was Dawn. No, it's not. <laughs> PM Dawn. Yeah. Now no, that's top not, 20. So. Let's, not, let's not go there. Um, yes, yeah, so she was in it. Really randomly, right next door to Keith Allen. Obviously, Al- Alfie Allen's in it, because yeah. got to got the kids in there somewhere. Mm. And David Williams. A very young and slim David Williams in the yeah, background. Yeah, I think it was just everyone that was in Groucho's that day. Because mm-hmm. that's what they did for Vindaloo. Mm-hmm. They, they walked into Groucho's, said, we're going to film something. Anyone fancy coming along? Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, so what a wonderful evening we had. I really enjoyed it. I mean, until, let's just, let's just say this, <laughs> until you decided that I needed to watch the Wrestle Rock Rumble. For anyone who's not experienced the Wrestle Rock Rumble, just Google it. Just don't. go into YouTube. No, don't. It's awful quality. It's terrible. And it's awful. 
But it, this is how wrestling companies it's promote like themselves in the mid eighties. And you made it's like it goes on forever. Yeah. Yes. Yes. yes Mark, I've got nothing to say about that. Yeah, yeah. It does go on forever. What a palate cleanser! I mean, it's probably only about three minutes long. Is that your um, in your top twenty? No, no, no. I'm the rest of Rock Room. There are no, no. Yeah. In, enough. Yes. <laughs> Let's well go talk about some well, telly. Well done for self-censoring. Yes. Let's go talk about some telly. Yeah. Watching television, watching television. Let's talk about Run, because we finished... Sorry, that was quite... I pointed at you then. Let's talk about Run. Yeah, let's talk about that, because we finished it. Yes, this we did. Week. I loved it. Okay. Oh. Is that your... Is that your ultimate review? I think it is for a half hour comedy drama. Mm. I think it was brilliant. All the way through? All the way through. Right. I completely disagree with you. So we talked we talked about this in an earlier episode. We sort of set up the premise. Um, two former lovers. We think they like met at uni or something like that. It's not really fleshed like out. That, yeah. Obviously had a very passionate relationship, then went off and um you know, carried on with life. And if they text run to each other, then they would run away. That was the sort of the, mm. the major plot line. I think this started out brilliantly. I loved that idea, that concept. So the idea that you can be sort of somewhat bored with your life, particularly as a woman of a certain age who's had a couple of kids, been married for a while, and someone from your past comes along and sort of brings excitement to to your life. You're sitting very quietly there. Are you I'm all right? Just waiting to find out where this is going. <laughs> but I think it's a really interesting premise, and I think it will resonate with um, a number of people. Yes. You know, wherever they are mm. um, in in their lives. Brilliant first few episodes. Really enjoying where it's all going, and then it takes a turn towards the end. And the last few episodes, I was really bored. Okay. I think there's a subplot where, um, which involves what we are at first led to believe is a cameo by someone quite famous. Not going to spoil it, not going to mm. go there, but yeah. a bit of a cameo. And I thought, oh yeah, a bit of a cameo, that makes sense. But they then become a character that we that we stay with and a, and a few other characters that are with them that I had no interest in whatsoever, didn't care about the subplot, and it left me really cold. That didn't work for you at all then, that last, no. uh, we'll say the final third of the... Yeah, yeah, f- yeah. Yeah, it really didn't work for me at all. Okay, that's a, that absolutely worked for me. And I think they needed that just to get it over the line. What do you mean by get it over the line? Because otherwise, so it's really difficult without talking, without talking mm. spoilers. They need something to drive them on to want when they are heading... So that they're not just on a train yes. together, yeah. being a bit quirky and chippy. It, and yeah. these aren't really likable people. No. I mean, Merritt Weaver, I find, I I only know her before this from Marriage Story. Mm-hmm. She plays one of the sisters. She's actually apparently in The Walking Dead and she's in the season that I've got coming up. Okay. So I'm actually really looking forward to in it. In the actual Walking Dead or Fear the Walking Dead? Walking Dead. Walking Dead, okay. Um, because I really, really was drawn to her in this. Mm. I think she's so good, and obviously she's got the story. She she's got the a lot of the emotional moments in this. Mm. Dom Gleeson, I think, plays it well, but I think I think Merritt Weaver is comes out of this as the star. I think she has more to do, doesn't yeah, she? She absolutely. has much more going on in her mm. life, for example. Um, and something that's just thirty minutes long, nice punchy thing. Once it was released once a week, it wasn't just something you could binge. I really, really enjoyed this, and I think this might be sort of one of my favourites of the year. I think it would have been mm. had it not taken that turn, and I understand what you mean about it needs something to propel it forward, but mm. I didn't need what they did to it. I felt it went off in a really weird direction with, you know, things that happened were were very, you know, they were, these were serious things, severe things, things that weren't just throwaway. Mm, okay. And then you were left, to, oh, when I was, I was left sort of thinking, right, okay, this is just odd and doesn't really fit with what has gone before. I just think it was a complete tonal change, to be honest with you. Yes. Okay. I can see how it would, it would move it forward to a second series, mm. 
But I don't think that's what this needed. Oh, I, think I don't this think is needed I don't think this will minutes. ever get a second series. I, I think it's this going is to. End. I think it's going to. I was looking it up the other day, and they were saying they've they've, they've set it up for a second series. I'm I'm very not happy about that. I think it just tied it up perfectly at the end. Mm-hmm. I know that you were quite you were ready for another two minutes just to tie everything up, whereas as they were, yeah. I think they left it just loose enough mm-hmm. for me. But okay. okay. Um, yeah, I'm slightly disappointed to be honest with you because I really. <laughs> I really loved it to begin with and I loved the idea and I thought the chemistry between the two leads was fantastic. I loved the idea of what if you just threw everything away and you just you ran off with someone and it was exciting but then of course reality hits. Mm. You know, it's, it's not exciting once you start to realise that someone is still an idiot um, or has traits that annoyed you 20 years ago, you know, that sort of thing. So I, I really like the premise but yeah, tonally it just shifted too much for me. So I'm saying watch it if you mm-hmm. haven't. Uh, if you want I'm, something, no, I still say watch it, Mark. Mm. Like genuinely, I still say watch it because like it just didn't quite work at the end for me. But it doesn't okay. mean that it's a bad thing. You can watch it in three and a half hours. I really enjoyed it. So yeah, I'd say and, like, check say, it out. Thirty minutes. Mm. You know. Yeah, it's nice bite bite sized. Mm-hmm. You've been watching something that that I have sort of been sitting. <laughs> Well, sort of wandering around in the background, picking up toys mostly while you while you've been watching it. I was really, really surprised when I caught you watching this new program. So we're on the first team. Yeah. Yeah. So this comedy is written and produced by the people who produced and wrote the Inbetweeners, mm-hmm. who probably made the money throw on the Inbetweeners and made a couple of films, but they've not necessarily been as prolific as a lot of writers that you see are producers certainly from someone who's had an absolute breakout mainstream hit mm-hmm. so this centers around a premier league team um, with a legendary foreign manager that the fans are turning against and an outspoken tv channel on youtube which is basically arsenal right <laughs> is that what it's meant to be I don't think it's meant to be any specific club. And the club is never mentioned. The club is never named on the screen, mm. as far as I can tell. Okay, I thought it had been. I no. thought, oh, right, okay. No, it's very... It just shows that I'm not really watching. But it is modelling Arsene Wenger's reign at the end of Arsenal. Okay. Um, and So is it meant to be, because it's called the first team, Are they, mm. is it meant to be, like, the lead team? Yes. Right, okay. No, no, sorry. The first team is, like, the... It's a sporting term. Please, please don't pat me on the arm <laughs> in a patronising way. I understand that. I just, because a lot of the characters were quite young, I wondered if it was a programme that was talking about getting to the first team. Well, I mean, that is that is the journey that a lot of these characters take. So they're not in the first team at the moment. Is, is Have I got the premise right? Yeah, yeah. so there's three main characters. Mm-hmm. There's Matty, who's an American, who's just at the start of the first episode, he's signed by the club. And it turns out, it's never confirmed, but it seems he's been signed by mistake. They think they're signing an American international and he's just sort of a, a bit part player in MLS. There's Jake, who's a shy lad who's already broken into the first team. Um, he's got OCD and a gambling addiction just to give him something to do, I think. And then there's Benji, who's a young player who's on the verge of the first team, but he's very much like this flash footballer with a bit of delusions of grandeur. And you can just draw the straight lines between Will, Neil and Jay to these mm. characters. They That's exactly who they are. This isn't a good show. Oh, I'm so pleased you said that. I really tried, like, I know I wasn't really watching it. Yeah. But I really tried to, like, give it the benefit of the doubt because I don't think it's aimed at me. No. But I was finding it really hard. The characters are so badly drawn. They're almost a caricature of what a footballer should be. Like, Renford Rejects and Jossie Giants gets footballers better than this. Will Arnett is the person who has been front and centre on the marketing. Who, do you know Will Arnett? I feel I do. I feel I know the name, but... He's Amy Poehler's husband. Oh, okay. Uh, he played Joe Bluth in Arrested Development. He's Lego Batman. It's Lego Batman. That's a big role. I know, that's just such a funny thing to say. Sorry, carry on. Um, if I show you a picture of him... Uh, I kind of know him. I kind of know him. Hmm. And he is... He's quite good looking, isn't he? Okay. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> I think I expected him to be... like if. If you tell me someone's Lego Batman, I think, yeah. Anyway, carry on. And he is Joe Bluth in this. He plays the chairman. 
it's almost as if he's been painted in after the rest of the show's been produced. Because he's in the odd scene here and there. Um, I It wouldn't surprise me if that was the case, that they, cast, they got him casted afterwards to add a bit of thing to it. You saw bits of this. Hmm. You yeah. weren't impressed then. I wasn't impressed, but like I say, I didn't think it was aimed at me. I wondered whether you were thinking it was really funny because you obviously know more about football than I do. It's more your world. The in-betweeners, I love. I, f- I find it, like, sometimes I watch it and I think, whoa, you are so close to a, to a line. But I do find it really funny in terms of, like, juvenile humour, but also the characters are well well written. I I look, watched these and I thought, maybe it just will take some time to bed in. Maybe if you watch the in-betweeners again, you, they are, you know... but. I could see one of the characters was very much like Simon Bird, yeah. just in the way that they were presenting the lines and the the, the style. And, and he is the best character in mm. there. Um, best of the main characters. Some of the out, some of the outside characters are really, really entertaining. Mm. Um, there is an assistant manager who is the naive former pro who's got had his uh, mm. career ended by injury. Mm-hmm. I have to admit, and I'm not sure why. Mm. I've watched all six episodes. But this was going to be my next point, Mark, because I saw you watching episode two. <laughs> so after saying all of that, why have you watched it? So there must be something. I don't in understand it. why. I think there Do you is think it some. Just needs time. No, no, no. Okay. It's, it, there is one funny scene which actually had me laughing out loud, um, and that's it. And I think I probably wanted the characters to do the, like the main character to do well, uh, Matty. I think I was following it for him. There are some nicely observed things about football, like players always aren't worrying about Instagram and stuff like that. And there are references to things that definitely take part in real life. Um, it sometimes goes through. There is a, a bully character in it, the mm. locker room bully, who is awful. Yeah, like, yeah, it's just... really... It's a bit Grange Hill. Oh, absolutely. Time yeah. yeah, and then I suddenly thought he was going to do a turn. No, 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 he's just mm. he's just one... Uh... Is it just six episodes? Is that all it is? It's only six... Yeah, I've not gone any further than that. Yeah, right. it's six episodes. Um, uh, have you seen any reviews for it? Have you seen anyone else speaking about it? No, I mean, I think all the reviews were embargoed from sort of the stuff we okay. were listening to. I'll be interested to see it, but they will mm, not be positive. Okay. Because uh, I can't be, and okay. I don't know why I've I don't know why I've sat through it and watched three hours of this <laughs> shit. <laughs> because it is, it is, it is awful. Um, it's a shame. Yeah, it is. Um, I cannot understand. Don't watch this, please. Don't don't make the mistake that I did. Just go out, watch Run. <laughs> It's better. Even if you've already watched Run, watch Run again. <laughs> um, hopefully the next thing we're going to talk about is slightly better. I don't know. You said that you had watched a, a film, so I don't know what it is you're going okay. to speak about, but you said you wanted to talk about this film you'd seen. Yeah, so it's a Netflix original film uh, called The Lovebirds. Um, this was originally slated to go to cinemas, and with COVID-19 coming out and everything like that, it was bought by Netflix. Uh, so it's Directed by Michael Showalter, who directed The Big Sick, which for me is god tier of recent romantic comedies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got Camille Naljani in it. Isn't he the same as the, the writer of The Big Sick? Uh, so yeah, they're yeah, yeah. they're yeah. reunited. Okay, great in The Big Sick, great in Silicon Valley, and also going to be in The Immortals. Is it? It's Don't one of the next love. Marvel films. Right. Okay. I don't care what the name is. They're all blend into one from now on. I know. Um, he's with Issa Rae, um, who is someone who I never heard of before. It's quite interesting. She was she launched a YouTube short that went viral, and then through its success, was made into a series on YouTube through Kickstarter. They funded it all uh, for the second series. It was. Produced by Farrell Williams, he paid for it all wow, and brought okay. it to his network, and now she's going. I say from mainstream act to mainstream acting, but I think probably nowadays with the kids, YouTube is probably mm-hmm. as mainstream as you mm-hmm. get. But this was obviously going to be her big, her big break in cinema, and Netflix have got it, so probably more people will see it than ever if it was at the cinema. The storyline is exactly the same as Date Night, funnily enough. Um, two people witness an event that they probably shouldn't. And instead of going directly to the police and reporting it, 
they go on the run and are avoiding people who are out to get them because they've seen something. Okay. The two leads are absolutely brilliant. They have such good chemistry. They work well together. They bounce off each other. They are so good. at Issa Rae is really going to be a star on the back of this. They have absolutely nothing to work with. Hmm. It's another sad face. Yes. Don't watch Just this. <laughs> plotline. Yeah, it's it is derivative. So, have you ever seen Date Night? If I say no, will that crush your world? No, no, no. Given we've got a a segment that's named after Date Night. <laughs> <laughs> no, I ha- I haven't. I'm not a romantic comedy person. Okay, so Date Night is exactly the same. Two mm-hmm. people going to a restaurant under a under an assumed name and are mistaken for people by some criminals and are on the run. And that goes so far, but the thing that really succeeds with Date Night is they go to someone who Tina Fey works for, works with, who just so happens to be in an uncredited role, Mark Wahlberg, with his abs out and gets all jealous. And that is the thing that kind of grounds the movie and is the big sort of comedic set piece in the middle of it that really sort of brings it forward. It's not a great film, but this has none of that. They are just running from character to character, from scene to scene, trying to solve this crime. Mm. And yeah, it's really average. You've had a terrible week, haven't you? No, because Run Run was perfect. Yeah. Not perfect. Things that that you've been watching. (laughs) It's that world in motion level. Exactly. (laughs) I'm glad you agree. Yeah. yeah, So I think, well, some of it was, you know, self-flagellation with the (laughs) first team. But um... So yeah, Run's... Runs the recommendation of the week then. No random Netflix movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, I think I'm going to check out a lot of the Netflix movies that come on because Mm. I'm quite enjoying sort of just seeing a new film. Yeah, we've said that, haven't we, over the past couple of weeks? We've Mm. said maybe... Now, because telly is starting to really take like a little bit of a dive down, isn't it? Like normal telly. We're like struggling to find sort of big shows that we would normally be on now or even to get excited because like something's about to come on. We're hopping around the channels thinking, right, what are we going to watch tonight? And and struggling. So we thought Netflix would be a really good place to go to look like a film like Extraction, which we talked about last week. Mm. Um, So hopefully there'll be some better, better ones on there that you you know what's coming back in two weeks. What's coming back in two weeks? Football's coming back. Oh. Two games a night, every night. Two games a and night? And then five games every Saturday. Oh, God. I mean, that is going to get boring really quick. And I oh, like yeah, football yeah, yeah. more than anyone. Is this why you really want to like get going with your old cinema room? Yes, so that I can <laughs> just go away and... Uh, yeah. I, t- I tell you what, everyone. The, the amount of times Mark has talked about his cinema room today... There's been too too many, too many times. <laughs> Once that's done, cricket will be back. So, uh... Yeah, no, I'm thinking about your projector. Um, right, well, from the ridiculous to the sublime. Well, we'll see whether my chain would have looked. It's a, I love the word romp, don't you? It's a sort of word that, like, the son uses when explaining someone's had a bit of a... Like yeah. busty beauties. Yeah, it's, it's you know, but I'm not meaning it in a sort of a sexy way. I'm meaning it in a action-adventure, <laughs> 1990s, a lovely song to go with it. I hate that song. It's going to be brilliant. I'm going to play that song on the outro of this podcast. Is it better or worse than World in Motion? <gasps> oh, that's difficult, isn't it? That's a difficult... I'm going to have to think about that, Mark. I'm going to have to think about it. Well... Let's get it on let's, and then... Let's watch it because you know it's going to be on all the way through the film. We're going to watch The Three Musketeers from 1993. <laughs> You're under arrest. Five of them, three of us. Hardly think fair. Maybe we should give a chance to surrender. Excuse me, but there's four of us. Athos, Porthos, and Aramis. Hello. Nice to meet you. Pleasure. Now... They're prepared to resist Walt Disney Pictures presents the story of the greatest heroes who ever lived. Ah! Long live the Musketeer! It was a time when danger was irresistible. Did I miss anyone? King's life is in danger. We have work to do. 1,000 gold pieces on each of their heads, dead or alive. I prefer... Kill him! Dead. Adventure was everywhere. I hope we're not interrupting. Kill those musketeers. 
Kiefer Sutherland. Save the king! Chris O'Donnell. Want a mission for the king? I've heard that before. Oliver Platt. That's it! Next time you drive. Tim Curry. Snap of my fingers, and you could be back on the block where I found you. And Rebecca de Mornay. And with a flick of my wrist, I could change your religion. The Three Musketeers. Sting doesn't get a lot to do in all for love does he you can hear him along the but he's quite raspy yeah you can hear him in like money for nothing but <laughs> he doesn't get a credit on that Just, yeah there's a bit more of him in money for nothing isn't it when you think about it yeah. Yeah. i think they're fighting the voices are fighting i mean you've got rod brian and sting all rasping together but let's not pull my favourite song of the 90s. <laughs> that, that, that cannot be your favourite song of the 90s. I mean, it because might be. we know that World in Motion is top five. Well, I mean, maybe it's not top five. Yeah, one, one, of, one of the greatest songs of the 90s. Had it's it, not. Had it on cassette, played Wr- it over and over again. Written by Cindy... Uh, <laughs> written by Celine Dion's husband. Mutt Lang? Yes. That's not Celine Dion's husband. Written by Shania Twain's husband. <laughs> Sure, that's not him. What if Celine Dion's husband was called Rene? Canadian singer. Yeah. <laughs> they blend into one. So we've just watched The Three Musketeers from 1993, a Walt Disney production, just as we'd got rid of Disney Plus. Yeah, you managed to pick another film that would have been on Disney Plus. So anyway. we're now back on Disney Plus because yeah. who's going to pay £4 to watch it via YouTube when we can just subscribe to Disney Plus again and, and... pay six pounds for yes. a month. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. So 1993, Three Musketeers. Spoilers. Spoilers. Hearing. For this remarkable Walt Disney production. So I'm going to start off by saying I enjoyed that. Oh, I'm so. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to. I did think you're going to rip this apart, but it's it's a kids' film, isn't it? Well, it's quite rough for a kid's film. Rough in what sense? Like, you see people get stabbed, you see people get shot. Which isn't normally... You see people falling down from a very high building and then see them at the bottom. Which isn't blood. No, but there is violence that isn't normally typical in a Disney film of the 90s, I'd say. Okay. It's more of a PG, I would imagine, rather than a U. Oh, yeah, I would say it's pushing a 12. I think there's some quite... Yeah, I think there's, there's, there is people... You see the knife going in yeah, a few yeah. times. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, look, I, I don't know whether it's... Yeah, whether it's me as a father of a young <laughs> child <laughs> where I'm like, wasn't like my child... I, I, wouldn't falling have, off a roof. I wouldn't have a problem with a child watching it. <laughs> but I think it is top end of what... I would expect from a Disney well, I film. I was like 12 when this came mm. out and that's clearly the mind that I've seen it through because now as an adult, and I've not seen this for a very long time, I can pick all sorts of things out of, that are wrong with this film as a as like a 39-year-old versus a 12-year-old. But yeah. I can see why 12-year-old me really like this. Yes. Should we start off with your lack of knowledge of The Three Musketeers? Yeah, so I know nothing. I don't know how close this is to the source product, mm-hmm. the cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, like you do know something about the Three Musketeers because you're obsessed with Dog Tanyon and the Muskerhounds. Yeah, but I've never, I don't, I couldn't tell you one thing that happened in Dog Tanyon. How and many times have we come in from the pub and you've put on episodes of Dog Tanyon and the Muskerhounds? Actually, no, 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 you never put the episode on. I put the theme tune you put on. The theme tune, and we're both just pointing at each other, going, "No, no, no, it's just the theme tune." So I was waiting for my lady to come out, <laughs> and was quite cat. disappointed when she wasn't feline. Yeah, um, and you Richelieu, and you. Rockford, Roachford, <laughs> with, with his cuddly toy. <laughs> um, but I couldn't tell you in what p- 
pieces these all go around. Okay. So this has been this has been made probably many times before. Oh, so many times. And many times since. Like yeah. there was the version with Matthew McFadden and yeah, Luke Evans and Logan recent. Lerman recently. Yeah. There was a TV show with another one of my my favourites. Your favourite hunks. Yeah, one of my favourite hunks in. What's his um, name? I'm trying to think of his name. What is his name? Cormoran Strike. Yeah, he's a, anyway, the guy that plays I've Cormoran got Tom Strike. Allen in my head. Which... It's Tom something. Oh, isn't Tom, it it's not Tom Allen, is it? No, it's not Tom Allen, but it is Tom something. I'm going to look it up. I don't know why I'm just typing Tom and expecting it to come up. Uh, Tom Burke. Tom Burke. Your favourite. Yes, one of my favourites. You know, there's mm. a long list. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because he plays Athos in the okay. t- TV show. And then there's, if you go back, so back in time in the, I think it's the 70s. Mm. And the only thing I really remember about those films, and I probably have watched them loads of times because they would always be on like on a Sunday afternoon or something, a bit like, like you know, when Spartacus is on or the yeah. Ten Commandments on, sort of ethics mm. are on. Is that Roy Kinnear? Roy Kinnear's dad is is in like comic, comic force there. A bit Benny Hilly, yeah. Um, yeah. In those, but yeah, it's it's been going for such a long time because it's a book from the eighteen hundreds. It was eighteen forty four. Okay. When Alexander Dumas published the Three Musketeers. And when is it set? So it's set in sixteen twenty five. Okay. So would that be Victorian time? Uh, not Victorian. Would that, <laughs> would that be Elizabethan times? Well, Elizabeth died in sixteen oh one. So okay, I think we're looking at Charles first. Okay, right. Yeah. yeah. So it's James. It's James the first. It's getting to the end. Of, I think James the first wasn't on the throne for particularly long. Yeah. So I think you're looking at that sort of James and Charles era. Mm. Okay. That. Please don't ask me about French history. I have no idea if this is the right king or queen. I think it is. I think Mm. it is is right. I think it's meant to be the right Louis and Mm. his queen, Anne of Austria. So I think they've got that right. Whether there was a Cardinal Richelieu, I think that's all a device in the book to speak about religion and politics. Mm. How close is this to the original novel? So it's relatively close, apart from the fact that the novel has so much more detail in, as you would imagine. This is very linear. This is, Mm. the musketeers are disbanded, there's a baddie who disbands them, Mm. he wants to take over power from the king, and there's there's lots of swashbuckling in this, and in the end, the goodies come true. Because there's a twist that happens... About halfway through, mm-hmm. which I didn't see coming. Right? What are you talking? About? We'll get to that. We'll okay, get to right, that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, right. That's interesting. In the other um, productions, and I don't know if this is part of the book. There's a subplot. It's quite a major subplot about some diamonds going missing, okay. and the queen. It's about the queen's betrayal. Hmm. So it's a, they. I think they try and make out that she's having an affair with the Duke of Buckingham. Okay. Who's never seen in this? Yes, but he is part of Cardinal Richelieu's dastardly plan. Mm. We don't really know why or or, or how He's it's going all to working. Sign a treaty, yes, yeah, and an unmentioned treaty, a, a, a unspecific treaty. Yeah, yeah, it, it, that's much more fleshed out, and the character of the queen and the queen's maid Constance who we mm. only see sort of twice in this there's yeah. much more for them to do because of these jewels going missing and if the jewels are meant to be a sign of the queen's betrayal so yeah mm. okay let's go through the cast yes so front and center got chris o'donnell chris o'donnell he's not very good is he i know and you know what me and Alison in the <laughs> 30th mention of Alison on the podcast hello Alison. um Alison and i had a real thing for Chris O'Donnell. We loved Chris O'Donnell. Was it his Henry Ramsey hair that you? <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking he's got a proper mop, hasn't he? Yeah. Like a curly mop. Yeah. Uh, but he's ter- he's terrible. I mean, mm. he's kind of the same character as in Batman Forever. Not known for his acting range, I guess. Mm. What was this his breakthrough role? Or? I haven't got. A cl- I mean, because Batman Forever was at ninety five. Yeah, Batman Forever was yeah, that. Uh, maybe even a bit, little bit later. Yeah, I mean, he's third billing, isn't he, when the credits come up? Because the credits come up first thing. Mm. So you were able to laugh every time. Sense of a Woman was his breakthrough. And then this straight after. Okay. 
Yeah, so so Chris Dunn, yeah. he was up for a golden, is it a golden raspberry or a, you know when it's the really bad acting award? Oh, he's in Fried Green Tomatoes as well, apparently. Yeah. 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 Another another one. Another one, one of, of your favourites. Yeah. yeah. I think that was well deserved, the golden yeah. raspberry. Yeah. yeah. Well, he was up for it. I mm. think he lo- he lost it to Woody Harrelson for Indecent Proposal, which is I think that's really harsh. Compared to this, yeah, but it's it's, it's tech you pick, you know. Time. Yeah, so Easy target. I don't think there's much really to say about Chris O'Donnell. I have to be honest. He nah. is a bit of a cipher. He's just a young lad who's a rascal mm. who wants to become a musketeer, and he gets into fights and scrapes, mm. and he comes good in the end. So we've got the two musketeers and one who's absolutely phoning his performance in. What? Who? I don't know who you mean. <laughs> Charlie Sheen is not motivated in this. He is. <laughs> he has major character moments. Every time he kills someone or someone is hurt, he makes sure that everyone knows that he's a man of God by doing the sign of the cross or saying, go with God. And I love that. I love that about him. I love he's a religious man. Yeah, so he got that from the script. Yes. He's not doing any of the emotions or anything like that for he's me. really good. Oh, no. He, he, was, he was being Charlie Sheen in this. I think all of them are being themselves in oh, this. Oh, okay. I don't think anyone's particularly being any different. Kiefer Sutherland. Mm-hmm. Looking quite un-Jack Bauer here. Yeah, I thought that. as well. When I saw him, I thought, he just looks quite unkempt. He's got a big beard. It's hiding mm. a bit of a double chin. Yeah. And his uniform is stretching He's been having somewhat. a lovely time since Young Guns. Yeah. And you know what? That um, That came up in the reviews when this first came out it was called Young Swords in a reference okay. to Young Guns because it was Charlie Sheen and oh, Keith Sutherland okay. and yeah. that's what they were saying that mm. it was it was like so yeah what did you think of his performance? Well, he's got a lot to do like first of all I thought he was just a kind of grumpy old man grumpy old tortured man mm. who had a bit of a tragic backstory that wasn't going to be fleshed out mm. but then I didn't know that Milady was his ex-wife mm-hmm um, is that in the cartoon? Is that? I don't. <laughs> I don't think it's in the cartoon. Like the cartoon is a, a very, very, very young kids. I don't think they're going to go into how Milady de Winter betrayed her husband and he nearly had her killed, but then she escaped. And do you know what I mean? Like they're we not going to go into it's that. It's a major flaw point. I don't think that that relationship between the cat and the dog was fleshed out in the Muskehounds. <laughs> I want to see that. Okay. I'm gonna, uh, do you know, oh, please don't. I'm you're going to watch. Tempted. You're going to want. You yeah, can see it in I your eyes. See, I want to see. I want to see how it compares. I, I think it's very going to be very different. Mm. But yeah, that. Can we come on to that later? That yes, plot point about Milady yeah. and um, Athos, because yeah. that's something that stayed with me a lot when I was a kid. So okay. I think we could park that for a moment. Okay. So it's got more to do because he has more of an emotional backstory. What about um, my other favourite? One of my other favourites, Oliver Platt. Love him. Yeah? He is the soul of this film. He's having a wonderful time. <laughs> Isn't he just? Yeah. Do you know that they were doing another... Um, there was another production company that was putting on a Three Musketeers at the same time. Okay. And it was in um, involving Johnny Depp. Oh. And Oliver Platt was approached for both films, which I think shows you that like his star at that point in time is a comedic turn, mm. someone who you could throw a line at, like he's, he's uh, Paul Foster Pirate in this, and yeah, he's got some great lines. He's better than Johnny Depp is as a pirate in yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean. Proper, he's yeah, he's a proper, yeah, yeah. He's, I thought he was very good, and he really entertaining. And then Alan Rickman playing... Uh... <laughs> Oh, but I mean, I mean, I love Tim Curry. Tim Curry is Cardinal Richelieu. I love Tim Curry, but if anyone was really phoning a performance in here, it's him. I mean... It's incredibly one note. I mean, it is. It's Curry. Tim Curry can be one note. I mean, Mm. I mean, I've seen Tim Curry in Scary Movie 2. That's a phoned in performance. Um, he's, he's chewing scenery, let's just say, but I yeah. don't think he's chewing it in the same way as Alan Rickman. It's trying to be. Mm. It's trying to be that sort of character. Yeah. There's no nuance to him. He's just the baddie, right from the off. Yeah. With his, you know, he's telling you the plot. He's telling you what he's going to do all the time. He's yes. trying to seduce. He is the queen absolutely and... explaining the plot. Of... Yeah. 
once our once our pigeons meet all the mercenaries, <laughs> they'll <laughs> definitely be mine. When our winged friends, yes, sorry, the... yes, fly, my pretties. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then we've got someone as <laughs> someone. Yeah, I, I want to say win a lot. Is it? <laughs> it's Michael Winnicott. Okay. How would Michael I, Winnicott. I know the name. How would I know him? And you asked me this during the film. Yes. So it, will it be a surprise to you to find out that Michael Winnicott was in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, playing the sidekick to Alan Rickman? <laughs> it's the same. It's the same character. He's Guy of Gisborne okay. in um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Right. So it's the same thing. It's the sidekick. It's the henchman. Wow. It's, you know, slightly pathetic. I mean, they are like shameless, aren't they? Yeah. In the tributes they pay, shall we yes. say? Because there is a scene where um, D'Artagnan is about to get executed, mm-hmm. and then the executioner rips the mask off. Yes. And that is almost shot for shot yeah. a rip off of Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. Yeah, and the others come to save him in the crowds. Yeah. And it's the same sort of like the same scaffold in the village centre where everyone's looking, you know, all the peasants are there looking and surrounding and there's again swashbuckling to get out of the situation and then they're yes. on horses and they're off into the countryside. Mm. What did you think of the production? Because it's a lot of it's not um a set, it's you know, I think it's lo- it, looks yeah. it looks lovely. It looks lovely, I thought that. It's really nicely shot. Mm. Um, we'll come to the director in a second. Mm. There's not a lot for the women to do in this, is there? I think that's when I'm watching it with older eyes. Mm. I am thinking it's it's really male gaze as well. I mean, how many There's shots a lot of cleavage. can we have of like books and wenches? Especially for a Disney film. Yeah. I mean, some of it, the camera is just over the top of someone's cleavage and just... It's just there. For 10 seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe there's someone lying on a bed in the background or something, but we're just... Mm. The shot is down someone's top. Um, And there's a lot of what they call wenching. So these women are just being placed on one knee to another to another, and they are being utilised as items. So to teach dog... Dog Dog Tanyan! Brilliant. Don't edit that out. I've been I've been tempted I've been so close to doing it all this time, but yeah, to teach Chris O'Donnell, I'll call him because I'm going to say that all the time. Uh, to teach Chris O'Donnell how to how to wench how to or wench, yeah. how to kiss a woman, none of the women have been asked. Would you like a mm. kiss? Would you know? But they're all um, completely head over heels with these men as mm. well. With that like Oliver Platt and Charlie Sheen apparently Charlie Sheen all he has to do is say a couple of words of poetry and that's it yeah they're Nick falling all over him falling all over him so but we've got three main female characters Gabrielle Anwar yeah who you know you know Gabrielle Anwar uh, from the Tudors from the Tudors yes she's the, Mary Tudor she oh well done congratulations she's not mary tudor she's margaret tudor but you're so close i'm so proud of you and actually you are right in a roundabout way because that character merges the two sisters of henry the eighth mary and margaret tudor into one there that's what and that's what i meant and, um, <laughs> yeah. so yeah she's in she the, goes off with superman on does. a boat yeah she marries um spoilers for for the tudors tv series uh, but yeah she marries henry cavill in while they're sailing back from France, Spain? Oh, don't... Portugal? Yeah, One of the some, three. Something. Italy. So I think they're, sp- they're sailing to it because she's going to marry the King of Portugal. Uh, anyway, anyway, not a Tudor's yes. um, podcast, although I'd love yeah. that. Um, but yeah, it's very young in this because mm. she's 50 now. I looked her up while we were watching the film because okay. I couldn't believe that in the Tudors she looks like two years older than in this film and the Tudors was only sort of... Late. No, I think she broke through quite early because again, she's in scent of a woman. Is she? I've just literally looked that up as, okay. I, as I was talking, right. so I can't claim any knowledge of that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, she was she was twenty five at this. Uh, sorry, twenty three at this okay. point. Um. Yeah, I mean, obviously she, she broke through. Hmm. I was thinking she's French, but she's not. Is she? No, she's not. Uh, she's in. I mean, she's meant to be Austrian in this. Meant to be Anne of Austria. Yeah, doesn't have much to do. To be, uh, not to at be all. honest, she seems to be having some marital troubles 
with her husband, the king, but that's not fleshed out. No. And she's not part of any sort of plot. She's not going to him and saying, I think there's a problem with mm. the with um, Tim Curry. Yes. Tim, Tim Curry's coming into my bedroom when I'm getting out of the bath. Yeah. I think there is a problem here, is what she should be saying. Yeah, so there's her and then Julie Delphi. Julie Delphi, who when you saw the credits come up, you were like, oh, Julie Delphi. Well, she's a great actress. She's a nice yeah. actress. I've seen yeah. her in a lot of things. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, nothing to do. Nothing to do. Absolutely less. I was quite excited when I saw her mm-hmm. quite early on. Um, I think she's really good on screen, really likeable presence. Mm-hmm. Have you seen her in much? Or? I, I mean, I know of her, but I don't know why. Okay. Why, okay. why would I know her? What should be, what's the major stuff that she's we'll, been We'll in? come to that. Okay. We'll park that. All right. Interesting. Yeah. You're intriguing me. Yeah. And then Rebecca and De Mornay. Rebecca De Mornay. Shall we go into... Yes. Rebecca De Mornay, who is in a completely different film to Absolutely. everyone else in this. Mm. Playing Milady De Winter, who we discover, much to your surprise, which is amazing, because like, this to me is... Or like it's a plot point in every one of the films. It's a major plot point in the TV show that came out recently with my favourite Tom Burke. Like a large amount of the those episodes were exploring this relationship she had with her former husband. Um, why are you laughing? Not the cat and the dog, Marion. <laughs> it's not in the Muscatowns, Mark. <laughs> this is an, like a really adult thing that is in the films. It's not going to be in a children's. TV cartoon that's on for like what was it like ten minutes or something? No, no, no. I think it's about twenty-two minutes. With, right. Oh, yeah. well, that makes a difference. They're really going to explore these really the complex adult relationships Went on for a while. Anyway. Anyway, so we discover. So let's back up a bit. In the scene in the tavern where D'Artagnan is being talked to in inverted commas wench, yes. he notices Keith Sutherland in a corner, mm. um, looking a bit dour because he's always a bit dour isn't he and he's just drinking drinking alone drinking alone so he goes over to him and they have the the, it's all manly isn't it it's like you can't possibly drink this boy and i will drink anything and then he goes rakitha sutherland goes into this little um monologue about a man who married a woman he was a count and he married this woman and it was like a passionate relationship until one day um she like fell over or something like fell off a horse or something like that and he discovered why are you looking at me funny because cats always land on the feet please can you stop talking about her as a cat Yeah. So yeah. anyway, he discovers this mark of the the fleur de lis, which means that you have murdered someone, or you're wanted mm. for murder, and you should be executed. Yeah. And she says to him, "I was falsely accused," mm. but he, um, I think, He's, he, he turns, he her, turns in. her in, and he thinks she's being executed. Mm. We later discover this is the mysterious Milady de Winter. Yes. Who is Cardinal Richelieu's spy? Yes. So she has been she was saved by cardinal richelieu and he mm. has turned her into she says later on the nightmare you thought i was so we are led to believe that perhaps that she was innocent of the crimes that she was accused of previously mm. but because keith sutherland gave her up she had to become the thing that he thought that she was that's irony thanks mark <laughs> thanks but it, it's 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 a really complex emotive subject isn't it of the for me yes like a woman who's falsely accused has to be you know then turns into the thing that she's accused of mm. to live yeah. and you can see from demone's performance that she's absolutely tortured by what she has been she's almost like she's shut down yeah and she's become the thing mm. That she feared the most. She's really good in this. She's brilliant. Mm. Um, what happened to her? Because I know that she was in a lot of films in the 80s. Mm. And then there is in a Ricky Gervais podcast, which mm. is in previous episodes we've covered, I'm very familiar with. Mm. Um, Carl Pilkington casts her in a film that he's written. Uh-huh. And everyone's joking, like, who's Rebecca De Mornay? What's she been up to for years? And yeah, so what happened to her after this? I don't know. I remember in Hand That Rocks the Cradle, which is a really creepy like performance where mm. she's like like a nanny or something. It's like yeah. a, th- a thriller. Um, I'm sure she's been in something recently and we've spoken about it because didn't I go, oh my God, that can't be Rebecca De Mornay. And I just didn't recognise her at all. 
So she was in, um, I'll tell you what she was in. She was in, oh, she's in Jessica Jones. That was it. Yeah. 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 She's the mother of the friend. Oh, yes. Who's, um, yeah, quite a complex. Yeah, again, yeah. a complex mm. character. So, yeah, I think she's brilliant. She's also in a TV show that's I've mentioned before, John from Cincinnati. Oh, not that again. <laughs> I'm going to make you watch it for like a... It's awful. You wouldn't like it. I know. Did you cut... I think you cut that original chat out. I was just about to say to you, you know I've cut that out of of an earlier episode because, yeah, it it would not have made good podcasting. (laughs) Also, a bit sick of hearing about it, love. (laughs) Don't want to listen to it again. I can say what I want now because this ain't going to get through. (laughs) But yeah, I can't believe that you didn't know that that was like the... So when he was in the tavern and he's telling this sad story to Chris O'Donnell, did you think, oh, he is the Count that gave up his land and no, titles of to become a musketeer? No. You, you just thought he was telling this lovely I thought he was telling a story, tale. yeah. Okay, and, yeah. about love and yeah. saying to I thought, I thought it was a bad, a bad painting of his mm. backstory. Okay. It never occurred to me that, certainly, that she was... Because, for all I knew, the Count... I was told the Count was dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. So, yeah. and I was told that she was dead. So, yeah, I mean, in hindsight, yes, I can see that that was set up. But, yeah, mm-hmm. no, didn't see it come in. Was quietly impressed with the storytelling of a classic novel, yeah. which, yeah. Well, it's good that it had that in it. And that was the bit that I always remembered as a kid. Mm. Because then, quite tragically, she has killed someone else. And she's, ca- she's caught for that, isn't yes. she? The brother of someone who she's killed catches up with her and mm. whilst Keith Sutherland's, you know, into justice and making sure things happen rightly, he probably might have let her, let her off. Yeah. Um, but he can't do anything about this. She has to face justice. Mm. And they all tromp along to a cliff <laughs> to um, for her execution. You got very... I don't know whether annoyed is the right phrase or just a little bit excited when Charlie Sheen was holding a Bible. Because, I think you were just like it's a bit on the nose, in it? That's his character was either. Like, oh yeah, because and then he says a few a few words, and again you were like rolling your eyes. Uh, but they all drop off to this cliff, and right at the last minute, Keith Sutherland tries to sort of like say he calls her Sabine. He's yes. like, Sabine, tell me about the Cardinal's plot, and she she does in the end. Mm. But then she when now as a child, I thought it would all be okay, but obviously as an adult, you can see this is set up. She takes a few steps backwards and she throws herself off the cliff. That really affected me when I was a kid because it's this swashbuckling film. Like we've said, a romp, isn't it? It's Mm. a Disney romp all the way through. Everyone's got their swords out. We're galloping through the forest. We're throwing coins to the peasants. We're distributing wealth to the poor. You know, everyone's really happy. And then suddenly you've got this quite dark, complex woman who you kind of think, well, she's had this really rough life and then she just, she chucks herself off a, off a cliff. And like, as a child, and you can see that, like like you said earlier on, you see the body front. Now, you don't see the body, like, land, but no. you, you clearly get the impression that things have not gone well there. Mm. Um, and that really, really affected me. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, like I said, she, she's excellent in this mm-hmm. and I think it's quite sad that her career... I mean, she's obviously met, she's still acting now, yeah. so she's not, it's not like she's uh, fallen apart, but she, mm. I'm surprised she didn't go on to better things from this. Do you know Winona Ryder was first um, cast as Milady de Winter, but pulled out? Oh, so, God, Rebecca that Dimone, wouldn't have been good. Yeah, I know, I was thinking that, if, I'm not sure that would have been the right fit. No. I'm not sure the chemistry between Keith Sutherland and Winona Ryder would have really been the same as mm. Demone looks like a woman of the world who. Yes. Has a, She's know, seen some things. Yes, who is is yeah, yeah yeah. I've got one more point of acting. Okay. Why is Paul McGann in this twice? There's something really odd about. I wonder if he's meant to be like the Roy Kinnear character. Maybe someone had seen like the older films and thought we need a bit of comic relief because Paul McGann's in it like one of the first scenes, isn't he? He's playing. Oh, he int- when we're introduced to D'Artagnan, mm-hmm. he is having a duel. Mm. Um, he reminds me of. Do you remember the English guy from Shrek? You know the is he the prince from Shrek? Yes. It reminds me of that. Into the the sort of bobbed haircut and the shrieking 
Englishman, you know. And he's always made to be quite a fool. Yeah, he's, he's a d'Artagnan, d'Artagnan. Even in his his second role, because he's in two separate roles. But yeah, so mm. that's the bit that we actually looked up on IMDb, didn't we? Because I turned to you, <laughs> having seen this film before, I turned to you and went, is that Paul McCann again? Because <laughs> there's a, one of the Richelieu's guards, one of Guy of Gisborne's mates, Yes. said, is like fighting. And I kept looking at him thinking, he looks so much like Paul McGann. But yeah, Paul McGann's in it twice, playing two different characters. For and no reason. Always fighting with um, D'Artagnan. Yeah. Never yeah. pays off. Never gets the upper hand. Oh, Mark. You've thought about that for a long time, haven't you? I want to do a lap of honour around the room. You've been waiting to put that in. Is that the right McGann? I don't think it is. I don't care. I'm really sorry. I think Paul McGann... I'm apologising to you. But I think Paul McGann is Doctor Who. I think it's Joe McGann who was in The Upper That's absolutely fine. I'm still happy with my joke. Fine. It's still still a McGann. Well done. Still keep it in. I will. Just for you. Yeah, it's not him. It's Joe McGann. Yeah, that's what I know. I know my McGann's love. <laughs> so all in all, a happy day at night, watching some sword fighting. Yeah. yeah. What happened to the director? Because so, I've never heard of this guy before. Okay. In some, I'm going to blow your mind here. Yeah. Do you know what? which other film that we really enjoy and actually was part of... Actually, think about it, there was a reference to it at our wedding as well. Which film this director also directed? I don't know. What is it? Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I was about to say that as well. No, you weren't. I genuinely was. You just said to me that you didn't know who he was. No, but I was about to... But that was my guess, because I was trying to... Okay, right. Has he done anything since? I don't know. That's the only thing I saw when I was looking through. Okay, let's have a look. I think he did. I mean, there were other films after this one on the list. I just can't tell you which ones there were. Okay, Mr. Holland's Opus. Oh. Critters. Okay. It's a bit of a mishmash, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, he is now doing. Um, well, I'll give you the. I'll give you the name of some films. He directed the Chaperone. Mm. I don't now, know that one. Are you aware of the Chaperone? No. I'm going to show you the poster. Okay. Oh, Mark. Paul Levesque, Triple H, is the Chaperone. He really is, isn't he? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Got, I mean, <laughs> didn't go that well, did it? It's ticking all your boxes, isn't it? Yeah. Bit of Bill and Ted. I was in Dead Like Me. That's that's really good. Dead that, Like Me. Yeah, Dead Like Me is a is quite an interesting TV show. Okay. Um, directed Ashley Tisdale in something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, his most recent works are Dolly Parton's Coat of Many Colors. Nice. Uh, part of the Hawaii, uh, an episode of the Hawaii Five O TV show, oh, the TV thing. an episode of the Rush Hour TV show, an episode of the MacGyver TV show. So mostly doing remakes of other properties on net, on American network TV. So yeah, let's um, let's let's wrap up. I, I don't think we've got much more to say really about the Three Musketeers. No, I'm, it's a it's a it's nice to look at. It's well directed. It's good fun. Mm. I mean. I think certain people are phoning the performances in. You think different people are phoning the performance in. Um, but yeah, I would. I, I'm glad you watched that. Thank, oh, you. thank yeah. you. Thank you. And it sets itself up for a sequel, doesn't it? Mm. Like the you know the the muskies are they're all going. What do we do now? And I wondered whether there would be another one, but it didn't do very well. Ah. Um, critics absolutely tore it apart. Mm. Audiences seem to like it. Yeah. But it was critically panned mm. and. Then they never sort of got back to mm. back together. I think it was really riding on the coattails of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yeah. The fact that the theme tune, the song, has Brian Adams in it, mm. and also Sting and Rod Stewart. But yeah, Brian is like the main the main guy on. I've talked about it, like I know him. Brian, my mate, um, is the main the main guy on it. It's it is jumping through a lot of the hoops that Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. And I I hadn't thought of that until I've watched it now. Okay. Yeah. What would you give it? I think it's three and a half stars. Wow, which that's amazing. makes it half a star worse than Inside Out. So, uh... oh, oh, that's controversial, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, because it's not. Have you not got over that yet? No, no, okay. definitely not. Okay, so yeah, from the Three Musketeers two, 
what are you what are you thinking? Okay, so I've changed the film I was going to suggest. Is it because we've now got Disney Plus? No, it's not on Disney Plus. Okay. It's one that we're going to have to buy. Oh, all right. So next week, mm-hmm. we are going to watch probably one of my top 20 films of all time. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure you've not seen it. Okay, let's find so out. So we might need to edit this and then it'll be, yep, the same film I always was going to watch it. What do you know about Before Sunrise? That's got Judy Delphi in. Yes, it does. Oh, I've forgotten you were going to come back to Judy Delphi. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's got... And is it Ethan Hawke? Yes. Yeah, okay. So I know that... Is it a trilogy? Yeah. It trilogy is, of films? It is the best trilogy like of all time. Before Sunrise, After Sunrise? <laughs> no, 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 no. No? Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, and Before right. Midnight. <laughs> yeah, and it's... My feeling is, from what I know, what I've picked up off different podcasts and mm. reading Empire Magazine, is that it is a long... T- it, it's looking at a relationship through the ages, through the years. Okay. So that's, yeah. that's w- what I've picked up mm. that it's about. That it's about these two people and it's about their relationship. And every time the film comes back to, we sort of see the next bit. Bit like like normal people. You yeah. know, where you're sort of picking up every now and again and seeing where they are in their lives and well, what their finish normal people. If you yeah, I, I have finished normal people now, but we're not mm. going to talk about that. No. We, are not, we are not going to keep talking about normal people. Do you know but, who directed it? Nope. Okay. I probably Fair. will. If, like, if you told me, I'd mm. probably go, oh, yeah, of course. Mm. Is it an arty person? We'll, we'll come to that next okay. week. Right. We'll, well yeah, yeah, let's, week. let's do that yeah. then. But yeah, it's we'll go watch that next week, and yes. Ah, it, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe a change of pace, I think. S- significantly. Significantly, yeah, <laughs> okay. absolutely. Okay, well, thanks everyone for for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Yeah, see you next week. See you next week. Before you go, just thought we'd mention that you can follow us at facebook.com forward slash the honeymoon pod or twitter.com forward slash the honeymoon pod. From there, you should find all the links you need to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, yay, or your favourite podcatcher. See you next week. <laughs>